This is Sunday night worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Church, Church, November the 5th, 2023. Sister Jenny Vanderham bring the message today, A Dead Church. Here's Jenny. Good evening. We have a switch tonight. I'm going to be speaking tonight, but I wanted to remind you about the bulletin. Please read it. Uh, there's so much in here. And uh, don't forget, next Sunday afternoon, we're doing the baptismal service at HealthQuest in Smithfield. Uh, 4.30 to 5.30, so um, I think they're going to have choir practice, and then everybody's going to jet over to Smithfield for that. Uh, y'all having a service in here? No service afterwards? Okay. I, I needed to know that for the bulletin. <laughs> if anybody has anything they need put in the bulletin, just let me know. Uh, my name and number is in the bulletin, so please give me a, a call or text me or something. I try to remember it all, but... I'm just human. I did forget the baptism this morning. Uh, don't forget, if you're interested in getting a poinsettia, uh, we've already ordered a bunch of them. I'm not sure how many, but go ahead if you're interested in honor and in memory uh, for the poinsettias. We want everyone that can come out for our uh, annual Thanksgiving Christmas dinner. It is being catered. We do need to know how many are coming and there's a sign-up sheet at the information desk. So uh, please come. We're asking folks to bring a dessert, their favorite dessert, so they can have it. And, of course, uh, we have ham and butts on sale. So if you're interested in those, please let Brother David know so he can get that ready and have it all ready to uh, cook on the um, 22nd, I believe it is, of November. We want to go to the Lord in prayer. We have a lot of prayer requests. Brother Danny Pittman's having surgery Thursday. Uh, Sandy Holloman starts her stuff this week, or the following week. Um, Mary still needs our prayers because she's not doing, I mean, she's trying to recuperate from all the things that she's been through. So let's remember her. Uh, I saw Brother Ernest, but I didn't get a chance to speak to him. Let's remember, Miss Betty, um, that God will continue to touch her and minister to her. Miss Carol Rogers wasn't here this morning, so let's remember her. She really has a hard time uh, breathing and, and getting oxygen into her lungs, so it's really, really a difficult thing. Let's remember Jerry and Francis that are here this evening, and certainly Nettie Bennett and her son Ronald. Um, they need our our prayer. Sarah Newcomb, I see her every now and then out and about, so let's continue to remember her. Uh, my brother has some, some movement in his right leg, but he's, it's not strong enough yet to even hold himself up, so just continue to remember him in prayer and uh, that everything will go well. Let's pray for Israel. Israel is near and dear to my heart because I spent three and a half years there, and so um, it's hard. It's hard to to uh, see all of the things and the devastation that's going on. I have friends that are still there that I'm in contact with through Facebook, and so they keep asking us to pray. And uh, my friend Callie um, sent on Facebook, she said, we didn't have to go to the shelter this weekend but uh, normally it's a really rushed time because they have to leave their apartment and go down 
a series of steps into the shelter and stay there till the alarm goes off. So um, it, it's it's tough to live like that. And um, of course, with all of the the um, protesting we've got around the country today, um, I, don't get me wrong. I feel sad for the Palestinians, but they've been warned. They've been told. And Israel is to, is trying to protect itself, and um, they, you know, that if, if you're warned to move, are you going to still stand there? No, you should move. You should move. So um, anyway, I feel sorry for them, but Israel is um, doing what it sees best to do, and that's to to get rid of Hamas. Hamas became uh, leadership in. Uh, Gaza in in 2016, and um, they have been building up their little empire there in Gaza, and it was evident that at some point they were going to to strike their head out there and and do what they um, have been doing. But you know, I think they're envious, and this is not even what I'm going to talk about tonight. But they're envious because Israel has made the desert bloom. You go back to the scriptures, and the Lord tells Israel to make it bloom. And so they've gone in there. They've prepared the ground. They've made the desert blossom. They have had, uh, they have gardens, tremendous gardens, and it's all from the desert. And now they're being, wanting to, people are wanting to take over. So uh, let's remember Israel. They really do need our prayers. Let's remember our pastor, that God will continue to strengthen him and heal his body so that he can be back to be with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for each one that is here. Lord, we gather in your name. We gather to talk to you, to minister to you, and to minister to the people that are here. We pray, God, that you will just touch and move in a special way, that you would help us <coughs> to understand your word and all that you are doing for your people. And I pray, Lord, for each of those of our church that need a touch from you. I pray, God, that you would just move in their lives, that you will touch them, Lord, that you would heal them, that they'll feel your hand upon their life, and they'll be guided and directed by your hand. Uh, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Marcus, you want to get me some water? I should have brought mine down from upstairs. But anyway, I have the title, A Dead Church. What do you think comes to mind? What comes to mind when you say a dead church? Spirit of God's not in it. What else? Anybody? Come on. You can talk. You don't know? <clears throat> okay. What'd you say, Miss Grenier? People don't go. Okay. <clears throat> They're not listening to God. Thank you. I got a wonderful son. <laughs> I have to tell him that every now and then. Well, your answers are correct, but I'm looking at it from a different perspective. 
a very different perspective. And I'm going to use, if I can keep this thing running here. I'm going, <laughs> I run the screen up there. Nope, wrong thing. Um, I'm going to use the scripture in uh, Galatians. I've been studying Galatians for a few months now, and so you get to spots and you think, wow, that's interesting. So you write stuff down, and then you, you think about it, and you put it away for a little while, and you come back at it, and you write something else down that comes to mind. So I'm going to look at it from a different perspective, a dead church, which we all should be. Wow. All right. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Dead to sin. When I'm looking at it from a different perspective, we as a body in the Christ, in Christ, have to be dead to sin. We have to be dead to sin. And that's what Paul was saying here. You are to be crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. I am no longer going to allow the things that sin wants to bring into my life to take over, to begin to work in my life. So we need to be dead to sin. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that an old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we shall not serve sin. So Paul, numerous times throughout his writings, told us that we needed to be uh, dead to sin. We shouldn't allow sin to come into our lives. Sin is an eye problem. We become the problem. I like what it says over in, in Song of Solomon 2.15. And it's always been a, a sort of a verse that um, I have always looked to when people have asked me about uh, allowing sin to get in their lives. And, and I said, well, you know, Song of Solomon says that take us the foxes. Let's look at the foxes. Little foxes, the little ones, they spoil the vine. The little ones are down near the bottom. They're at the dirt, and they're digging away the dirt. They're gnawing on something, small little animals. They like to, to gnaw because they're sharpening their teeth. They're trying to develop those incisors there. They're trying to develop themselves, and here we find these little foxes are down there, and what is happening? Those types of, of foxes, those kinds of sins, like attitudes and habits that we more often overlook, as well as excuses, or we get defensive over things. So, sin is an eye problem. We have to make sure that ourselves are in tune to God. I love what the preacher was talking about this morning, and I thought, man... He's going to steal all my thunder for tonight, but it doesn't matter. 
He was taking it from one perspective, and I'm taking it from another. But when we look at sin, the the middle letter is I, 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 I. I everything is I. Sin's an I problem because it's selfishness. Putting yourself above everything else. You know, there, there, I taught school for a long time, and there were students that always, I'm your, I'm your best student, right? I, I'm your best student. I, I'm the one, that, you know, call on me. I can do it for you. Well, I would always call the one that never said a thing and was always sitting in the back, and I'd say, hey, how about uh, you come up here and run this uh, attendance to the office? What? Those eye problems begin to come out. Sin is an eye problem because it removes God from the throne of our hearts and make ourselves in control. What? Yeah, that's what happens. When we start thinking about what we want, what I want, what I want, it begins to be a problem. Because we have taken ourselves and allowed the sin to come into us, and we are no longer dead to the sin that keeps coming our way. We must get rid of I. We must let Jesus stay as the center of our hearts, our minds, and our life. He wants to be the center there. He wants to be the one in control. He wants to be the one that that tells us what we need to do, not us tell him. We can say it all day long, but God's not going to listen to us. And sometimes he gets to the point, okay, okay, I'll let you have your way this time. And then what happens? Oh, man, I have made a mess. But God wants us to grow. We start off with, the first level of growth, and that is a lot of me and a little bit of God. That's when you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart, right? You need to have him coming in, and then he begins to work on you. And uh, you don't just say to yourself, well, you need to appreciate me. You You need to pat me on the back some. Well, no. I'm not getting recognition enough. So? Why? why? Why do you want to be recognized? And then we need to grow a little bit more. And so we grow to the point that some of me, and then you've got some of God. God begins to work in your life. God begins to change you. It's not always abracadabra that you are changed. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It's a gradual thing. He's trying to trying to tell you how to do things. It's like trying to teach somebody how to drive, right? I remember Drake was 14, and I said, oh, come on, let's drive around the subdivision. Okay, so Drake gets in the driver's seat. What do I do first? I said, well, I'll put the seatbelt on. Get him used to doing that. He got him the seatbelt on. God, I mean, God just doesn't tell us, okay, we'll just drive, He has to teach us. We have to teach them. And so, you know, the first couple of times, it's a little bumpy. It's like, whoo, got to slow down here. Not so fast. You can't put that much pressure on the gas tank. Oh, oh, okay, okay. 
okay. And so, and I said, remember that middle one's to stop you. And I got whiplash a few times <laughs> because he was afraid he was going too fast and he'd hit that brake. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. But he didn't learn all of a sudden. It took time. It took time with, with Omar working with him out there at 14 years old. I wanted him to drive because I needed a driver. I'm getting old. So I wanted somebody to be able to drive me. Not that he does that much anymore, but anyway, that's okay. Then the next level we have is a little of me and a whole lot of you, God. God begins to change your life. He begins to replace the things that were not according to his plan in our lives, and he changes them. He changes us a little bit at a time. And then we get to that fourth level where it says, None of me. I want everything you've got to teach me. I want everything that you can show me. Everything that you can instruct me with. I want to know. (coughs) And we ask ourselves, well, what level am I in? What level am I there? I hope everyone's at the fourth level. That God is, is training you and helping you. Nobody knows it all. Nobody knows everything. We we just don't know. We have to learn. We have to get into the Word of God and let Him teach us. And when we get in there and we allow Him to show us, sometimes He wants you to stay on a verse for a long time. Sometimes he wants to talk to you about something that maybe is in your life that he wants you to change. John said in chapter 15, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you. He's chosen us. He's chosen each one of us. Therefore, the world hates you. You're hated because you are now a part of God's family. You're a part of what God wants. Let's think for a minute with Paul. (coughs) Paul lived a separated life. He went on mission trips. But he lived in the world but was not of the world. We say that, I heard that all of my life as a young person, you can be of the world but not in the world. Don't be in the world. Allow God's world to be your world. Allow God to be the one who shows you and and instructs you and tells you what to do and what not to do. Just like the brother was teaching or preaching on this morning, the Holy Ghost will stop you if you let him. And won't let things come out. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, gosh. Right? How many, you know, he said he had foot and mouth disease. I'm sure we all do it sometime, but still. Uh, how many of us get ourselves in a pickle because, one, we probably haven't prayed. <laughs> you know, that's the biggest one. Or, two, we want to do it, try to do it ourselves, and it doesn't work. We don't know the big picture. We know one little piece. I love putting puzzles together. But you know what irritates me the most 
is to get a 500 or 1,000 piece puzzle put together and there's a piece missing. Ever done that? Yeah. That is terrible. I remember in high school, um, in my room I had a table and I was putting together the Lord's Supper. And I think it was a 1,000 pieces, not sure. And so every night before I went to bed, um, I always went over there and looked to see, you know, if I could put three or four or five pieces in it. Sometimes I was on the roll and I'd put like 10 or 20 in there. And then I got to the end of it and one of the pieces was missing. And I said, I did all this for what? What? So then what did I have to do? I had to look around on the floor, looked under everything, pulled everything away, you know, picked up the pile of clothes, you know, that every kid throws on the floor. And then guess what? I found the missing piece. And then I was so happy. And then I crumbled it all up and put it back in the box. That's what we do. But that's what God does to us. He wants to get the right pieces in there. Paul, he liked being in a boat, but not in the water. He didn't want to be in the water, but he wanted the boat to be there. So are you in the boat or are you in the water? Are you looking at it yourself? You have to live your life in the world. We all have to go to work. I worked. I went to school, taught all those children. And sometimes it just took a lot of prayer. Right, Lori? It takes so much prayer. You know, even if they're little ones, I taught high school kids. But even with them, you still had to pray. You prayed hard. I'm sure Miss Flo was praying that all the food would stretch because she fed all the kids over at Triple S. But we, we live in the world. We have to interact with it, but we don't let it have to consume us. And Paul said, I'm not going to allow it to consume me. I want Jesus Christ to consume my life. He was dedicated. I think that's a word that many people have, have said with the reactions of church these days. Dedication. People aren't as dedicated anymore. People aren't dedicated. I mean, we've got maybe a couple of handfuls of people that we can count on, right? To be here, to do stuff, to go somewhere. Well, what happened to the rest of them? There's not a dedication there. We have to be totally dedicated. And Paul certainly was totally dedicated. Even though he was put in prison, and in from prison he began to write to the churches, he had a roundabout relationship with God. His life revolved around God, not around himself, not around what he could do. It revolved around God and making everything pleasant with that. It's like a business being sold out. Now, Tucker Furniture finally sold out. <laughs> but for years, I think like 20 years, there was always a sign on Tucker Furniture in Smithfield that said, um, selling out sale or going out of business sale. And I was like, you know, like four or five months later, they're still in business. I'm like, what? That didn't make any sense. 
But they were always selling out. They were always trying to sell everything. There's nothing else to sell. When we're sold out to God, we don't have to buy into the world. We don't have to buy into the things the world has out there. It, it bothers me a great deal when we start seeing, you know, I, and I guess there's nothing wrong with it, but I went to a church over in Smithfield once, and they had black walls. They had all kinds of lights, and I actually had to take my glasses off so I could see to find a seat because it was so dark in there. What? To me, it should be bright. It should show that God lives here. He doesn't live somewhere in a closed area. He's bright. And then what happens? The stage lights come on, and guess who the center of attention is? It's not God. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There are other people that are there. They're the ones who are being looked at. I don't care for these things up here, but I know Joey, he even slid this thing back so I'd be under him. But uh, I don't want my life to be the one that people uh, have, have a spotlight on. I want them to see Jesus, not me. I don't have anything. I just love Jesus, and I want Jesus to go and love in other people's hearts. And that's what Paul was trying to tell them, that you have to put away the former conversations, the former things of the old man, which is corrupt according to the lustful flesh. You know, it's hard. I know it's hard. But, you know, we have to put it away. We have to allow it to be crucified with Christ. What did Paul say? I am crucified. I am crucified. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, not I, but him being crucified. You're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. Those are your choices. I'd much rather be dead to the devil and all that is out there now, don't get me wrong, he will come and attack you. You get into the word of God and you're praying and you're studying and the next thing you know, my phone rings. I'm like, what? And it's nothing but a telemarketer. And I'm like, no. I go, delete. <laughs> Let me delete it. You should. But we don't have to allow those things to begin to distract our attention, to make us lose sight of what God wants us to do in our life. We must become legally dead to the old way of life. Legally dead. So that God takes precedent in our life. We must be legally dead to the old ways of life so that you have uh, the opportunity to hold on to God. He wants us to hold on to him. What happened to Peter when he was going across the water? Everything was great until he got his eyes off of Jesus. 
What happens when we forget to keep our eyes on Jesus in a situation? We crumble. We collapse. We're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you do. You pray. You pray. There are times when old habits and hindrances, they try to get in there. They will try. But that's where you need to say, I am crucified. I am crucified. I am dead to the things of this world and not let them become part of your life again. We are, we, the old ways arise, but all we have to do is step closer to God. Step closer to Him. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Can I, can I get up underneath that shoulder and so you can shelter me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What do you need if you've got Jesus in your life? You know, it's illegal to speed, but we all do it, right? The speed limit says, except if you're going down 52 in Virginia, there at Emporia. It says 60. And if you go 63, you're in trouble. Because those police come out in, out of, I don't know where they are hiding, but they'll come out and they will flip that blue light on if you're going 50, uh, 63 in that 60-mile zone. They'll give you three, two, but they won't give you three. But we all do it, don't we? Speed limit. You know, we've coming off the, that fancy, nice belt line we've got coming in from Raleigh. And all of a sudden, we haven't paid those signs any, any, any business. And all of a sudden, we're, we're down to the traffic light. And, oh, my goodness, I've been going 70 all through this area, and it's a 60. Where was my brain? Where was your brain? Not on driving. May have been on something else. But that's why we have the policemen. That's why we have blue lights. And they'll just pull you right over, and they'll say, let me have your uh, driver's license and your registration. And you say, oh, I know. If you're really honest, you'll say, you know, I know I was speeding. I am really sorry. I really am sorry. And then you're praying real hard. He's going to say, okay, well, don't let it happen again. <laughs> right. Now, I don't know what Ashley would do at Pine Level, so don't test him. <clears throat> He's liable to give Lori a speeding ticket if she's speeding it. <laughs> But anyway, there's a difference between a legal death and a real death. <coughs> there were three men participating in a war games, and um, they were playing with those uh, paintball pellets, you know, where you run around. Drake likes to do this, and Marcus. They like to run around this area and hide behind stuff. I've never been, but they tell me all about it. And then they shoot at each other with these paint pellets. To try to, you know, get rid of the other, the other person. Well, three guys, <laughs> they got hit with the paint pellets, and that meant that they were, they were dead. They couldn't continue on with the game. Well, there was a general who was perusing around in the game area, and his jeep got stuck. And he says to the, to the three guys that are sitting over on the side, and he said, uh, I need you three to come over here and push my truck. And they said, uh, we can't. We're dead. 
So, so the driver said to the general said to his driver, he says, "Okay, um, they're dead. You go over there and get those three bodies and put them in front of my tires so that I can get my jeep out of here. They're dead anyway." Well, those boys got up real quick. They weren't actually dead. There's a difference between being really dead and legally dead. They were not legally dead, and they didn't want to be legally dead. They didn't want that jeep to go rolling over them. So they got up, and they they helped the the general. Legally, they were dead in the game. But they were not, and they decided to help the general. Legally, we are dead to sin when we allow Jesus to come into our hearts and live in our lives and show us what to do, help us through every aspect of our life. We have to stay dead to our old ways of life. That's why I called it a dead church. We need to constantly make sure people know that we are dead to the sins that can come against us. In Romans 5 and 8 it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A judge had an old friend who was found guilty of a crime. It broke the judge's heart, but the judge had a job. The judge realized that his friend couldn't even pay the fine that he was going to have to pay, so he had to send him to jail. He knew his friend couldn't pay the bill, so he took a break. He said, 10-minute break. He came down off of his, his high and mighty little te- thing, took his robe off, said, I'm an ordinary citizen today, and I'm paying his bill. Paid the bill for this friend, got back up there, put on his robes, and he said, now I'm a judge again. Sometimes we have to look at what Jesus has done for us. He's our judge, but he's also the person that's going to help us. He's paid the price. He's paid the price for all of us. This is what Jesus has done for us. Our judge paid the price of death. We don't owe that cost anymore because we are crucified with Christ. Since Christ died for the church, the church is and should continually be legally dead to sin. Legally, the church is and should be dead to sin in every aspect. Right? The church should be dead to the world. We shouldn't allow the world to come into our church. I guess I was raised old school. But you know, there's nothing about nothing wrong about old school now, right, Miss Jean? Nothing wrong with it. Ooh, I grin and I cringe when I see people come in with their hats on and coming to the sanctuary. Ooh, 
I know if I speak to them, it's not going to do anything but make them mad with me, right? But I can sure pray. And I pray <laughs> that God will get a hold of them and they'll take that hat off. That's the way to handle the situation. God knows. This is a, we're supposed to reverence this place. Man, if I had run down the church aisles, unless it was under the Holy Ghost, boy, would my little legs have gotten whacked because you respect the house of God. Old ways should not take dominion over us. The same verse I started with, I'm going to end with, but from the Message Bible. That's everyday language. It says, Christ's life showed me how and, a- and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is, it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can't put it any simpler than that. I am crucified with Christ. Let's come forward and we'll end in a closing prayer up here. Anybody needs a prayer, we'll uh, minister to you. But I know that God has great things for us if we'll stay dead to sin that is out there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us as a church, as individuals. Thank you, Lord, for protecting us always, keeping us from all the things that are out there that could corrupt us, cause us to lose our footing with you. And I pray, God, that you'll continue to minister unto every single one. Lord, that we will always keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, that we'll not be swayed to the right or to the left, but we'll stay straight, following after you, walking in your footsteps. Lord, that you'll continue to minister to us. You'll continue to guide us and take us to deeper depths and higher heights. The Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.